Hey, this is part two of the 100th episode. We end up talking about a lot of deeper issues, the origin of table moments, morality, truth, and trying to find it. And it's a really deep and intellectual conversation, but take a listen. If it's something you vibe with, let me know and send me a DM on any of the table moments and we could do more of this type of conversations. I think this stuff, this more cerebral stuff is pretty interesting. I enjoyed the conversation with Omar. Let me know if you like it and maybe we might even do a series of just conversations like this along with the normal content that we typically do for table moments but otherwise i really appreciate all the support all the people who've listened all the engagement on social media this is just beginning my goal is to make this big enough that we can help people with new ideas and interesting perspectives and maybe even grow this into something that can be useful for anybody who comes on the show so 100th episode part two enjoy thank you for listening the 100th episode coming up on two years now so you're on a very special one yeah Yeah. i don't know yeah i guess three digits is cool but there's nothing really significant about the number well i don't know because it'll be two years in november there were i think i will have missed three weeks in these two years of not publishing which i am disappointed in myself but (laughs) that's pretty impressive though uh you know when we started this i didn't imagine it having this many episodes and but i mean mathematically speaking i should have because i committed three years i just i'm surprised i was able to we've been doing it for that long and still meeting every week it's pretty cool it shows that you at least have commitment to something and you know you put your mind to it you'll you'll you know what i mean like you'll keep grinding yeah maybe (laughs) it sounds like a good thing but it might be a personality flaw (laughs) because i don't know what when to let go so i'm just like stubborn like that i mean I still got one more year. I, I already decided like three years I'm going to commit to see how this can go. Got one more year. And so this last year, I just want to go ham. Why three years? I feel like if you're going to do anything serious, it's going to take years. And I just, it was just an arbitrary number three. It could have been two years, but I was like, if you look at a lot of the people who get into this content creation game, they start finding their rhythm after the second year. And so I was like, yeah, let's give it three years. See what happens. I've learned a lot so much just doing this because we meet every week. We're just like really connected or at least because I remember Bilal, you remember before, before we even had the podcast, like we would never know what's going on in each other's lives. You know, yeah. it's like we would just meet up at home. We'd fly home for like some holiday or whatever for the break. And like, hey, what's new with you? And we would have no idea what's going on, you know. But So do you but, feel like in a way it's kind of like a blessing? Yeah, I think so. It's like one of those things that came out of the pandemic. So it was a bad almost two years for a lot of people. But Man, some good things I wish I took advantage of it. In what way? The business opportunity. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was a good time to start a business because... It was a good time. It was a great time. Was it? Oh, because you're, you're just like working from home and... No, you're still well, working at least, from home. At least from our business, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people were afraid of COVID, so they did. They stopped their business, so we could have had a lot more. Business. Oh, so you guys could have like set yourselves apart. You're like, hey, we're we're exactly. giving you rides. Yeah, dang, that's crazy. Did you know about this opportunity back then? No, I didn't know until like a year later. I don't know. It's a weird couple of years. People got super crazy. I don't know. Some good things came out of it, but a lot of bad things. And one of the good things I'd say is got into content creation, and then. 
decided the corporate life wasn't for me either, despite how cushy the job was. So I, I guess, yeah, it was, this whole thing has been a sort of weird blessing, I guess. It's one of those things, like, you don't realize what it is until, like, time passes. And you're like, oh, okay. Do you remember when people used to hoard toilet paper? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. It's crazy that people even did that in the first place. Here's the thing. Isn't I, that a lot? Dude, I, I didn't have the worry because I had done my shopping two or three weeks before everyone realized how big a deal this was. Just because I follow the right people on Twitter. You know, wow. they were talking about it. They're like, yo, there was this one guy on, on Twitter. He's like, guys, this is a serious thing. Like, I have contacts overseas because he, he did some traveling overseas throughout his life. And he's like, yo, this thing is far more serious than the government and the people on TV are letting you know. Do your shopping now before the panic starts. And in the event that we're wrong, you'll just have extra supplies for the next month or two, you know? Yeah. But So I was like, you know what? I got to take this seriously. And then I started doing my shopping. And then I noticed some things were out of stock already. I went to three different stores to find hand sanitizer. And all that was left was these travel-sized ones at Rite Aid. I went to Walmart. They were out. Yeah. It's like, oh, so the government realized what's happening, and they're just buying stock right now. This, uh, were, this you, was, were, you, uh, were you were you doing this like in early March? I was, in, I was doing it in February. February, February, sorry. Mid-February. Yeah, March is when it really... When yeah. it really hit, right? Yeah. yeah. And I remember like my coworkers talking about it. It's like, oh, you know, it's like the cold. It's like the flu. I'm like, I would still do my shopping. So I was like, I follow the right people on Twitter. I did my shopping mid-February. And I went to all these. I went to Walmart. They were out of hand sanitizer. I literally talked to the guys. I'm like, what happened to all the hand sanitizer? They didn't have it at Walmart. They didn't have it at Target. Went to Rite Aid. They ran out. And all they had were these travel bottles. And I just bought as many as I could <laughs> of those. And so they were literally out. So the state was, I think what was happening is like government started realizing that this might actually be a big deal and we don't have enough supply. So they were just buying local stock. I think that's what was happening. Or maybe just like stock was not getting because the rest of the world was buying it or it was going to other parts of the country that literally these stores didn't have any. And I'm like, this is an obvious. I literally texted all the guys here in California. I'm like, yo, this is serious. Do your shopping now. I warned everybody two, th two weeks before all this commotion and then like it was three weeks after i did my shopping that my company that i was working for said everybody go home and that's when it just became a whole thing and then that's when you know march everyone's like going wild i remember um actually thinking the same thing i told my mom and she was like oh you know it's probably not as big of a deal plus like we really don't need toilet paper like that because you know we wash our asses so <laughs> <laughs> So like you only uh, need enough to kind of you know what I mean like pat yourself yeah. dry or something you don't you don't need you know I don't know you don't need like three years supply <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah oh man yeah when I started seeing these like news reports I'm like oh man you guys I didn't understand it because I'm like toilet paper I don't know I bought plenty of rice I bought plenty of beans dried goods so I was good if literally there was supply chain issues and truckers could not deliver stuff bought all the toilet paper I needed for myself. It's just me. I don't know. I just keep warning people ahead of time and they don't listen to me. You know, we did something similar to we I, I stocked up on like a bunch of canned goods. It, it really did help. Actually, the thing I, I like to joke about this podcast is that you'll hear tomorrow's news today. And yeah, on the pod. And it's like, I remember having Abdalim on, on the podcast talking about, yo, here the therapeutics and what's going on with the medicines, the company I work with and all that. And here's what's happening and all that. And then like literally six months later, all this stuff starts coming out. 
about the stuff I was talking about on this podcast. It was crazy. I'm just like, I was the inside man. I was literally an inside man. Who were you working with? Pfizer? No. They were making the the therapeutics. Oh, you were working with... Man, my friend would hate you, bro. Why? Because... Uh, <laughs> Bad reaction? I mean, he... Yeah, so he he got... Okay, my friend's a smoker. Mm. Ironically, he quit smoking, but for some reason, he got motivated to smoke again. So he started smoking, got COVID, took... Ended up with pulmonary, pulmonary embolism. Damn. And uh, it really, it really messed with him. But obviously, at the end of the day, like him and I think the same thing. The biggest factor was his health. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like it definitely affected anyone with lungs issue, lung issues the most. And it's just like, and men particularly. One of those, like the ones where I, I feel like if it was targeting women more, people would have cared more. Not that people didn't care. I'm just saying, like. That's really interesting. I want to. I want to hear your. I want to hear your thoughts on it because that's that's a very interesting uh, statement right there. Men are more expendable, biologically speaking. I mean, this happens in nature. It also happens with the human species too. Men are expendable. Like even with this whole like vaccine thing, myocarditis with the like it triggers the body to create proteins that are similar to some that are found in the heart. So then it starts giving heart issues, particularly in young men. But it's not going to stop the CDC from mandating it for. School children, possibly. If it if it were women, if it were saying, okay, it's fucking up with their vaginas, it would be pulled off the market immediately. If it's men, it's like, eh, one in 5,000, who cares, you know? One in 5,000 doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're giving it to 100 million people, that's tens of thousands of people who are affected by this thing, and then who are going to have heart issues, and they're mostly men, or young boys, in fact, which just makes it even weirder, but... Okay, so besides the men part, what, what's your take on like the vaccine and, and all of these things affecting because, okay, I, I, I'll just be forthcoming. I didn't actually take the vaccine. I don't know if you did or not. I took, but I repetitively took uh COVID test to verify whether or not I, and I never got COVID. Mm. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you got COVID or not, but um, no, I don't know. I don't know. Like I've been, I never got tested when I got sick, but I recovered in like a day or two. I didn't. I don't know if it actually matched the symptoms for, for COVID. I didn't have a test at the time. Haven't been vaccinated either. So, I mean, okay. So we're in the same camp. Yeah, we are. What prevented you? I literally work for the company that makes the the therapeutic, and I'm like, this vaccine is using new technology that's untested. They basically tested it on 100 million people. Yeah, they in tested real time. it on us. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, why would you be the? Why would you volunteer to be the test dummy? You know. That's so crazy, bro. You know how many people call me crazy because I was like, "Look, it's unscientific." I mean, it, it, sorry, like no, 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 it's it is experimental, because, like, and they're saying how definitive it is, and like, how can you talk about something that's definitive if you haven't done experiments on it? Yeah, and then like, cause because I worked in the pharmaceutical industry, I'm actually reading the the, the articles the, the not journal. even the articles literally the the fda submissions wow yeah so it's like i literally read the results of this thing and i'm like okay they made this conclusion based if you bro i'm gonna explain this to you and you tell me if the, any of this makes sense okay go ahead break it down All right. so what they did was they had a cohort of forty-two thousand people okay? okay so that's the test group they split half Twenty-one thousand are going to take the vaccine Twenty-one thousand aren't okay 
Okay. They give the vaccine, whatever, and they give placebo to the other 21,000. And then they test how many of them had COVID one week later. Okay. And then they found of those, of those 21,000 who were vaccinated, eight of them ended up having, being tested positive for COVID. Okay. Eight of them. Eight. And then they also checked the placebo group and 162 tested positive for COVID. That's wow. Okay. So if you do the math on that, if you do the math on that, what's, so the total 162 on the placebo side plus eight on the, the, the vaccine side means a total of 170 people got COVID. Okay. Uh huh. So 162, which is the original that got infected from the placebo, placebo group divided by 170 gives you 0.95. That's where the 95% effectiveness comes from. Wow. I know. I know. I'm just like, That's, this is such bullshit. That is so shady. <laughs> I'm like, hold up. This is not nearly a large enough sample size for this shit. No, no, no. The sample size of people is large, but I mean, the results came down to 170 people. And that's that was the original figure that was given to people. This is ninety five percent effective. It's like you know, you know what's funny. I, I don't know if how interesting the COVID conversation is for you, but anymore because you know maybe you've been burnt out. You've had this conversation a million times. I have a friend. Uh, we're we're he's actually like a brother. And mm-hmm. bro, tooth and nail, he was fighting COVID based off of like just based off of information they were giving us. And because of him, I was able to fight to like first of all none of my family members got the uh vaccine vaccine and there's another guy i um i follow he's like a dawa guy he does islamic he teaches people about islam but so he's a he was a proponent for the vaccine and then he took it and then he got pulmonary embolism and he was like whoa 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 like we need to stop telling people that this is the end all be all. Like if people want to take it, fine, but we need to stop telling people. And he's like, I got pulmonary embolism. He's like, I literally, my doctor was like, yo, you're on your deathbed. You should just stay here. He's like, no, I'm going home to my family. Cause if I'm going to die, I'll die with my family at least. And then he's like a week later, <laughs> Moderna was like, Hey, you should come take your second shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, that's the thing. I, what you're saying is right. Like, um, if people want to take it, let them take it. Okay, the idea that we would mandate this, the clinical trial that they ran initially shows how very few people actually will be symptomatic after one week. Okay, so literally, this is like a segment, a small segment of the population who are vulnerable to this. Does it make sense to give this experimental drug to the entire population to to, in effect, try to protect these small few people who might be at risk? No, it doesn't. And it doesn't. Yeah. But some people in their head morally speaking it actually makes like a logical i don't know it's so stupid no i understand why they made that moral argument the problem is is that the numbers the statistics don't back your argument yeah so if if it was like i i told a lot of people if it was like a 50 50 chance i would be more willing to do it but actually it was like a one percent chance so why the hell would i do that to myself yeah you know what i mean so it just was it just yeah it was just a complete nightmare and plus you know the way it was reported is like all this fear constantly again and again it made this very very small percentage one less than one percent chance feel way bigger and so mm-hmm. it's like a lot of people it's just like i'm trying to explain it to people and then on top of that in the event in the event you do get covid there's a therapeutic available as a treatment yeah treatment so it's like yeah if you are one of those vulnerable people 
there's a treatment available, okay? Obviously, with the, all the issues with alternative or um, off-label use of medication like uh, quercetin and uh, ivermectin. Ivermectin, by the way, real quick, in Mexico, they sell that over the counter. And uh, <laughs> and this would be an interesting segue into a different uh, conversation, but it's very interesting how there are certain medications that around the world you can find them, but in America, it's uh, not FDA approved. And I'm sure there's reasons for it, but anyway, go ahead with what you're saying about ivermectin. The problem with this emergency use authorization is that it's only allowable if there are no alternatives. Yes. And so they had an incentive to shut down any conversation about alternative remedies mm -hmm. because literally they could not administer this, this experimental vaccine without shutting those things down. Literally, legally, they could not even give it because of this emergency use authorization. That's how the law works. And so no one can be honest here because the, the incentives aren't there. What's funny about what you just said is uh, I think it was the head of Pfizer. I think he was in Australia. I can't remember. He didn't even take the vaccine and they were criticizing him for it. And he was like, yeah, I made my own vaccine. I'm not taking that. Yeah. And then recently it just came out like I think there was someone testifying in, from Pfizer, I think, like C-suite who testified in front of like some European commission and they're like asking them questions. So did you know that this thing would not prevent transmission? And it's like, we never made that claim. We never made that claim. And then and then you could see clips on Twitter or YouTube or whatever, people showing all the news clips saying, taking this vaccine will prevent transmission. And it's just like, these fuckers, they raked in the money on lies, dude. It's wild. But then here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can say all this while it's happening and everyone will call you crazy. Yep. And then five years down the line, they're going to be like, why did I do this? Why did I take it? No, no, no. I don't think they'll even regret it. I think people really? have to live with their decisions. They'll psychologically rationalize it to themselves. Like even, bro, I think people naturally have a very, very, very hard time admitting that they were wrong. And so they never do. Yeah. They never do. So I don't Actually, expect I people. It's so funny. I have a couple homies. Uh, they went from being staunch you know, vaccine pushers to, oh, well, maybe, you know, you don't have to take it. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, so do you regret it? And they're like, no, I, I don't regret it. But like, you know, I, I don't think you have to take it. And I'm like, bro, for two years, you were calling me a, a kook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get so much shit for being right. Like, it's wild. <laughs> I'm not even saying I'm smarter than everybody. I'm just ahead of the curve. Like, I see it. So it's just like, I'm trying to warn you guys, but then I get, you know, you'll get dismissed for seeing differently, you know? And it's just like, what are you going to do? Like, people cannot help themselves. They are too, they trust too much mm -hmm. our institutions. And it's mm -hmm. like, these are the same fuckers who got us into Middle Eastern wars. Which, by the way, I'm sorry for cutting you off. Yeah. I just want to point out the irony. They trust the institutions that they constantly criticize for not being able to trust. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. It's like this weird form of hypocrisy that exists. Like they've proven time and time again, they can't be trusted. Again, we also know money is a big motivator for a lot of these mm -hmm. things. So it's like, look at the money. How does it play out? Does it play out in your favor or their favor? Who can stand to gain from this? And when you play things out, you're like, okay, maybe I should be more uh, skeptical of certain Coy, things. So yeah. Like, so like with this pharmaceutical company, it's like, all right, we know pharmaceutical companies make drugs and they make a lot of money from this. This happens to be a pandemic where they're going to shine. They're pushing this experimental drug. Do they have an incentive to be honest about this? 
It's like, okay, if not, then it's like, maybe you should be more critical. But the fear comes in. And so people are like, anything's anything. Let's just take anything. It's like, but then what are the unintended consequences of this? All right. People now have this weird heart disease because of the vaccine. And it's like, all right. So people are like, oh, it's worth it. One in 5,000 people might have myocarditis, whatever. It's like, okay. But then consider these are heart issues, right? Mm-hmm. Later in life, they might need a heart transplant. Mm-hmm. Now you've just added all these people to the heart transplant list. So yep. the people who are already on the list waiting for a heart now have all these younger people who might just get added to it. How many lives you've affected? Added people to the heart transplant list. You've added people to the already failing infrastructure of our medical facilities. You've ruined families. Yeah, exactly. Families were broken up because of this. It's not even, I'm not even just talking about that. I'm talking about like, bro, when, when someone has heart issues, we live in America. We don't live in Europe where it's like, oh yeah, you got heart problems. Like we'll take care of you. You know, maybe it's not even the best system, but at least they'll do something here. If you can't cough up the change. I mean, I used to work with people in hospice and a lot of people in hospice were there because they just couldn't afford care, Mm -hmm. you know? So you break up families because, Hey, you, you put so much stress on the kids, uh, you know, financially because your medical bills are through the roof. And it's like, I'd rather die than, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing. Yeah, it you're right. Whole thing. It's, a whole thing. it's all driven by fear, which is why I'm like, I got to be fearless with everything now. I'm just like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to, even with this stuff, this content stuff, like, the, I don't know, Bilal, if you've been seeing the stuff I've been posting, man, <laughs> like, <laughs> I go ham now. I'm just like, fuck it. Like, there's no reason to fear, especially if it's stuff on the internet where it's just like, eh, some people might hate you. Who cares? I mean, I've been dealing with this shit for, since I started this, like telling people stuff and not even way before that. I've always told people like, hey, here's what's going on. And most, sometimes people don't want to believe me. It's like, fine. I, I've learned to accept it now. You just can't help some people. They have to come to the answers themselves. What was crazy about this whole pandemic is if you took a, if all you'd have to do, and, and I'm not talking about people who obviously are a little, you know, on the ignorant side or a little uneducated, but I'm talking about there's people that I know that were engineers, doctors, nurses, People in like professional fields who denied the statistics of, you know, the probability of number one, you getting it. Number two, the effects on you. I was like, this is kind of crazy. Like you're, you're so afraid because someone you don't even trust told you, literally it's gossip. I, I, I call it gossip, right? It is, yeah. You know, you threw, you threw away your, literally your intelligence. Yeah. I don't know. I've come to realize people just believe what they want to believe, you know? It's like, if you have faith in what you're being told, like, that's the thing, you could find information on either side. So just to give them a little bit of bail, because I'm trying to be the better man here. (laughs) There's so much information out here on either side of of whatever there is, like, you could literally choose to believe what you want to believe. Now, it's hard to be objective. And yeah, could we have been easily proven wrong if by not taking the vaccine? Sure, could have been. But at the same time, it's like, they're, they didn't exercise any prudence or skepticism, which yeah. is the part that blew my mind. I'm like, it's, it's fine if you're, you come to your conclusion, you're like, especially, like, here's the thing. I can understand taking the vaccine if you're over 65. 100%. Because if you look at the graphs, clearly their mortality risk is far, far higher than the 1%. Okay? So it's just like, okay, that makes sense. If they had just made that pitch, scientifically speaking, Anyone over 65 is greatly at risk from dying from this thing. We should give them the vaccine and still let them choose to take it. I'm like, yeah, totally. That makes total sense. I'm with that. But if you start saying, okay, let's give it to 
kids in elementary school, it's like, we know this disease does not affect them, basically. Yes. And that, that's what's disturbing about it all. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, you're going to affect children uh, based off of, honestly, it's just someone's bottom line. Yeah, it's the wild thing. Like, <laughs> and here's the funny thing that, yo, that show about Purdue Pharmaceuticals and the opiate thing. I haven't seen it. What What is it called? Damn. Let me double check that. But basically, it's the show talking about the corruption of Purdue Pharmaceuticals and Oxycontin, the opiate. Family? Yeah, the family. And how they were lying about exactly its addictiveness. Yeah. that. And that yep. came out during this whole pandemic thing. And I swear to God, I actually heard, I was hanging out with uh, some friends here, and I literally heard them talk about, yo, have you seen this show about Purdue Pharmaceuticals and how corrupt and they were lying about the, the addictiveness of this drug? And I'm like, and then I just started laughing because <laughs> I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, y'all just took this vaccine. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Unquestioningly. I'm like, yeah. whatever, dude. That's the thing. Uh, I, I think that when it comes to truth, um, I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I get I'm biased. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to be biased because sometimes you want things, you know, to be how you perceive it. It, it hurts when you have a perception, especially when it's a principled one, and it like boggles your mind to the point where you're like, "Damn, what is truth?" Yeah, I mean, you it's know? a whole field of study, epistemology. epistemology. Exactly. Yeah, it's like it's it's very hard. And that's the thing. I can understand people like, yo, I got other things going on in my life. I, I cannot bother to look this shit up and whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, fine. That makes total sense to me. I don't expect people to go do the research because it's like nothing that we see or communication that we have access to is unless you follow the right people. And even then you have to like really find them. But it's a lot of work and I get it. It's not something the average person can do when you're telling your family, hey, I've done the research already. Trust me on this. But they don't, and they'd rather trust a stranger on TV. That's the part I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I literally work in the pharmaceutical industry. Why you guys question me on this shit? Bro, that's crazy. Like, you don't understand how happy I am to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It feels like we're alone out here, huh? Bro, and it's not only that. Like, because you're an expert, I'm like, dude, I'm not sitting on this raft like an idiot. No, I got somebody here that he's an expert so he can guide me right and uh i don't i I, like first of all i i believe that like you said you know from an epistemological perspective it's kind of difficult for everybody to look into everything right but yeah i think that there is an intrinsic truth to certain things of life that you know and like i'm obviously not talking about you know the pharmaceutical company but i feel like people People want to be deluded. People want to be blind because it's so hard to deal with. It's so hard to like stand by yourself. Like I'm, I'm not gonna lie, bro. I like I said, I had shaky feet at some points because I was like, you know what? I want to take this vaccine so I can get a job. Like literally, it was like I need, I want to get a job. All these jobs are saying, hey. And my when my best friend was like, look, bro, I know you want to do that, but fight it. Just fight it. And I'm so happy I fought it. Do you remember how they tried to blame us? They were like, you know, oh. <laughs> 60% are vaccinated. But the reason why COVID is still going is because you guys, I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like from a logic, yeah. that's what I meant. I, I was telling my friends, I was like, oh, oh, hold your horses. Um, how is the, the strain going to adapt to someone 
right? If anything, it's adapting to you because you took this COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. So now your, your antibodies are fighting it off somewhat. So it's adapting itself to, to handle that. And you're blaming me for it. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, dude. It's so crazy. Right. It's just like the burden you have to carry as someone who's like critical, you know, it's like, it's a curse. It really is. Like, I don't like it. I don't like the truth sucks. I get it. It just sucks. It's like that, the curse of Cassandra, you know, I'm like, not from so it's the Greek, um, I think it's a Greek mythology or whatever, where she was gifted with the ability to see the future, but cursed with uh, no one ever believing her. And it sucks because like you see it, you see it and it's just like falling for it. It's quite, and then it, you think it's like, all right, you've proven yourself, all right? You've done this thing in this situation. You're like, look, I was right this time. Guess what? The next time something like this happens, or it could be unrelated to another thing, and you're being just as critical and trying to be as objective and as find the truth, they're still going to question you again. It's, it's, it won't stop. It won't stop. Yeah. So it's just like the burden you have to carry. I don't know. Or, or you could just say, F it. I'm just going to tell you whatever you want to hear, and I'm going to live my life on my terms. And I've been leaning towards that lately. I'm just like, why, why do I even bother? You know? you know, I think there's also a way to deliver information um, because sometimes what it is, is that like, first of all, this is, this is very interesting um, because I was thinking about this from a religious perspective. I was actually having this conversation with a friend of mine and I was like, you know, man, um, it's very interesting because from the paradigm of the prophet, peace be upon him's life in the beginning everyone called him a liar, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in the end, every, not everyone, but m many people in the Arabian Peninsula converted. And a lot of those conversions happened during his victory. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, and there's a saying in, 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 in uh, fiqh, which is Islamic law, uh, people follow the rules of their ruler. And so because, because uh, Islamic law is dynamic and there are many ways one may interpret certain laws because there's very few laws that are called, it's called qatari, which are clear cut. There's very few laws that are clear cut. So a lot of laws are very dynamic. And I, I personally believe it's, it's part of uh, the divine nature of the law because it fits in every society and every culture. But um, people will completely abandon their rational thought and become very like, you know, um, how do I say it? Like they, they just won't even consider, even though it's it's accurate, they're like, no, 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 I gotta follow the ruler. And I, and I realized I was having this conversation, like people will f follow you if you're winning and you're right. So like, for example, if celebrities, I think that, and I'm not saying like one or two, but if there was a bunch of celebrities that are like, I don't take the vaccine. Well, why do people look up to celebrities? I think fun, well, some of the few reasons is because, number one, of how much emotion they evoke. But number two, it's because it's they're leaders in a sense. Mm. They're leaders in a, in a, it's kind of a weird way, but they, but people follow them. People trust them. That's why if, if you remember, what were they doing in commercials? They would get celebrities to go on these commercials and be like, hey, take the vaccine. I took the vaccine. It's like, why did you use them? They're, mm. not, they're not scientists. They're not, uh, uh, you know, in the labs doing this. They don't, they probably don't, half of them probably don't even have a degree. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, they use these people to promote taking the vaccine. Right. And I think that a lot of it is predicated on when you see people that are victorious and successful and, you know, um, how do I say it? Like people that, that you trust, you'll be just like them no matter what. 
You know, mm -hmm. it, it, you won't even think about it. You'll just kind of follow it. This is actually kind of blowing my mind. I think, yeah, that makes total sense. People will follow the winner, the rulers. So is a solution then we got to win? Yes, that's actually what I am saying. Because, for example, if I were to tell you a piece of information that could better your life, but you look at me and you're like, you know, but his life sucks, right? It's not you. I'm not speaking to you, but people in general, they'll kind of look at you and be like, yeah, but bro, you know, your life sucks. Why would I listen to you? So it's not what I'm saying is true or false. It's I'm looking at you and what you said and your life sucks and I don't want to be anything like you. Mm. But if somebody successful and I, and I don't mean success, meaning like money, I mean, whatever metric the person has in their head, if someone is su successful is saying something to you you're more likely to take it because you're like, wow, that actually worked. And that's what I want to attain as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's a lot of how people think it's, it's like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, money talks, bullshit walks. Mm. You know what I mean? That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. So like if, <laughs> if I was on TV saying the stuff that I already said on the podcast, or it doesn't even have to be TV, if I had clout or even just like m money, I don't know, I guess people, I said, let's say you were Joe Rogan, you're Eamon Rogan. Yeah. If I was on that level, people were like, oh, okay, credibility. Because other people listen, which is, I think, stupid. But I don't know. Maybe. It is very stupid. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, that's not how I judge things. I don't care if you're just one person telling me something. It's like, does it make logical, rational sense? Explain the science to me. Just because you see it on TV, it gives it more... I don't know. I just never built, been built that way. Like, I always hated Oprah growing up, okay? My mom used to watch Oprah all the time. And I'm like, she's just lying to you. What did you hate about her? One thing, I don't like anyone who has that much control over middle-aged women, okay? Because they blindly follow her. So she can make and break people mm -hmm. overnight. Like an mm -hmm. author, anyone with that much power is just like, okay, so if you just know Oprah and she plugs your book, now you're a bestseller. Yeah. There is no meritocracy here. This is all about connection. So that offended me, one. But two, like <laughs> this this woman's been cycling on back and forth with her weight all the time, but yet gives weight loss advice. And I'm like, I've literally lost 60 pounds before. I've done it. And I'm like telling... Like, I would explain, like, this is how you do it. This, what she's telling you, eating the right foods and like, no, no, just watch your calories, get some exercise. It's very simple. And I proved it. I literally, I gained a bunch of weight in college and then literally my senior year, I lost it all. And, <laughs> and I'm like, why are you watching Oprah to lose weight? I literally did this in front of you. And so I could speak to it. I'm like, it's like, you don't need to buy all these books. You don't need to buy these exercise programs or fucking shake weights and bullshit like that okay like you literally <laughs> this is very simple if you want to do it it's just you got to make some sacrifices but it is what it is i'm like people just oh my god and just all the stuff too i don't know man it, it is what it is people stay plugged in that's up to them it's their choice but i've been trying to do my best to like shake shit up with this especially on tiktok and instagram i've been posting these like takes um which get a lot of hate in the comments but also a lot of love so it might feel like we're alone out there omar but we're not there are plenty of people who feel the way we do and i get to see it in the comment section i think that you're right and also i think that even if for whatever reason i i you stand alone i think that it's very important to you know just trust yourself number one and number two don't follow the crowd just because everybody's doing it so you could be comfortable to be around them and you know what i mean because it's hard it's hard being 
a social animal and then being antisocial, it's, it's, we're not meant for that. But it's very important and imperative to be like, look, I might be strange. I might be strange to these people, but I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I've been thinking like, are certain people called to play this role? Like they're meant to. 100%. Like, yeah. Yeah. hundred. I, I, I believe that. I, I mean, I'm using the word belief on purpose, but I believe that. I think, yeah, certain people are designed for that because if, you know, I think that if it wasn't the case, man, who knows? We would we'd probably be extinct a long time ago. Yeah. Do you guys, you guys know that movie, iRobot? I love yeah. that movie. Yeah, you know the Sunny character, the android who could think for himself? Yeah. And how he could put his hand through the sh- force field that was protecting the nanites? Bro, you, he- you're making me watch it tonight. <laughs> yeah, I might watch it tonight too. But I'm like, where he says, I think I was designed for this, you know? That's yeah. how I feel because it's like, I don't need people like other people need people. Mm-hmm. Like, I thrive being alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, I do need connection and interaction like no one can be completely alone but i have a much higher tolerance and even thrive in it and i also have that very stubborn character <laughs> where i'm just going to tell people the harsh truth sometimes and i can't help myself and mm-hmm. so it's like i th- and plus our last name is it's pronounced aid but in a, in english it's spelled s-a-i-d said like almost as if i'm supposed to speak you know, mm. I'm in said. And so it's like, <laughs> maybe I'm supposed to do this. This whole podcast, I mentioned this before on the podcast, like maybe we we're always meant to have this podcast and I was meant to speak out and call all the bullshit and then build a community where people won't feel alone for thinking for themselves. And I don't know, maybe if it's a little too deep. But... No, I mean, if that's the case, then you might have to change your three-year plan. Yeah. You know, if, if that's how you really feel. Yeah. And then I'm like, it's going to come with a lot of bullshit. A lot. So much. But as a part of me, I'm also kind of welcoming it. I'm like, this is going to be fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get to call out bullshit. Everyone, and then I just see everybody scared. And I'm just like, they're just words, man. It's like, there are, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, if you enjoy it, right, maybe you're meant for it. And if you're meant for I think it would be a disservice to stop pursuing it to yourself yeah i'm not talking about the podcast i'm talking in general and yeah you know so just to speak to your comment a lot earlier where you're like you know maybe i should just stay silent and just follow the trend or not follow the trend sorry just stay silent and let people believe what they believe maybe you'd be doing a disservice to yourself yeah that's a good point good point yeah and the thing with social media is like if you don't agree with the thing you can always just like not watch it so it's like i'm not in people's faces you have to find it i think there's an urge I think there's a there's an audience out there. There are people out there who are craving for this kind of stuff, who know, who feel things aren't right, and they're looking for someone who can maybe help them articulate what they're thinking. Because sometimes it's just hard to explain things. And it's like, all right, if there was a video out there who was explaining your thoughts, you could just like link that forward to somebody who's like, this is exactly what I'm talking about here. You know, whatever. There were guys on the internet, but I don't know. They're... It'd be cool if there were more people of color who did that. That's why I like what Kanye's doing. But oh, oh man, what a sec! <laughs> I was gonna say to, to I wanted to talk about that and something else. You know what's crazy? Minus his comment on George Floyd, I a hundred percent agree with him. And I, I just want to say this. Um, I was. It's funny. I was talking to Bilal about it. I was like, look, 
I um I listened the reason why I watched this interview, which they took down by the way, but you know why? Because everybody and their mama was attacking Nori. Nori is the guy who is, uh, is yeah, the host, the host. of the camps. And yeah. he basically he basically was like, Look, um, I was trying to just give Kanye a platform and they were like, Yeah, but you know, he said a lot of hurtful things. But did you watch the interview? Yeah, I watched I watched the original clip that was on Revolt. The they cut it down to forty minutes, and then I I heard that the whole thing was released. So then I ended up watching that two hour thing. Oh, oh he, I don't think he said anything wrong about the Jews. Number one. Yeah, uh, sure. I don't think he said anything offensive. Yeah, what, uh, what were, there was nothing. What, were, what was their list of critiques? If you could remind me, um, there weren't. So some of the I, I was watching the Andrew Schultz like breakdown. They're trying to roast the roast of Kanye West, but basically they made themselves look like fools because there was literally a Jewish guy like countering all their points on Kanye's behalf. Weirdly enough, accidentally he didn't mean to, but it's just like yeah, no, yeah. Jewish people do seem to excel in a lot of these places. Not saying that they control for like some sort of motivation, but I mean like. Are we gonna deny this fact? And they're like, bro, it's it's a funny. I know Bilal's a fan of Andrew Schultz, so you should watch that. It's hilarious. You should just and then read the comments of on that video of them trying to roast Kanye. It's just like I only, I only saw like five ten minutes of it, but I didn't get it because I didn't watch the podcast. Yeah, the podcast the with Kanye. He Kanye is a funny dude. <laughs> he is. It was entertaining. And I understand the transition he's going through because I've already done that transition. I, I keep saying on this podcast, too, I'm two years ahead of the guy. Like, so I understand where he's going. I understand where he's going. And so to everybody else, he just sounds crazy, blah, blah, blah. But it's just like some of the criticisms, they were saying the Jewish stuff. But I'm like, I think what people confuse is like Orthodox Jews and Jews in Hollywood and entertainment are different Jews. Yep. They're, not, they're not the same. Orthodox Jews probably have a lot in common with Muslims, because they're very religious and conservative and all that. But the ones in entertainment or Hollywood are doing some weird, crazy, dirty, demonic, borderline demonic shit. So it's just like, that's that's not even, I don't think it's even fair to call it part of the Jewish religion. Because Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the problem. So a lot of Jews, they actually did a study on it. Majority of Jews are actually conservative or reform. So just mm -hmm. to give... You know um the chat a little knowledge conservative jews do not hold traditional values like orthodox jews but they still hold their faith reformed jews though however they don't even have to believe in god and they will follow the bible the torah and the tanakh and they actually believe that well not all of them but half of them believe that moses was a good man and he set out good principles and so it's very interesting because a lot of the Jews, like you said, in Hollywood, they tend to either be conservative or reform, aka atheists. So they're, and it's hard because with Jews, it's it's one of the few, if not the only, race slash religion. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. they're an ethnicity and a and an ideology. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I think that. I think that no, I do. I do believe they have an ulterior motive, and it's something you can see throughout history, where they constantly revolt against leaders, uh, uh, or, or I should say, um, people that um, 
had power over them because their main objective is to actually have a i think it's to have a civilization kind of like rome kind of like the byzantines because they they always make money they always push themselves to greatness but they always get stamped out it's crazy if you look at it historically it's mm. absolutely nuts even with what happened with the british in europe i don't know if you're familiar with uh jewish history but they were the bankers and a lot of the leaders in europe the kings and and the priests they would go to the jews and be like look give us a loan the jews are like all right we'll give you a loan obviously we're going to charge you interest on it they're like yeah, yeah yeah whatever they would win their war or lose and they'd be like hey listen jew i'm not paying you and if you say anything i'm going to murder you so it's crazy because they constantly dealt with this thing and i think that that's i mean you know it's a crazy segue but i think that's the whole point of israel israel is their um attempt at having a civilization having something for their own mm -hmm. and that's something they were never allowed um i i personally believe it's divinity um but mm -hmm. also if you look at it historically they constantly fought for it they fought for it against the romans they fought for it against the i believe the persians even they fought for it against it with europe and they're fighting for it today and they constantly historically get stamped out mm, okay so do you think any of the stuff that kanye said in that interview was anti-semitic no not at all okay yeah because i mean it's, it's, let's, let's review it let's let's review it i mean let's review what anti-semitic is right mm -hmm. if we if we really break down what anti-semitic is right it would be it would be something racist and what is what is racism racism is thinking right that you intrinsically have more value than someone else based off of their skin color or mm -hmm. ethnicity is that what kanye did or is what he said was look if you look at everybody that has contracts with the Jews, right, and the Jews, everything the Jews, the Jews own, it tends to be things involved within the black community. Mm -hmm. Is that fact or fiction? Yeah. You know, if it's fact, then what did he say that was anti-Semitic? Yeah, I think people throw these terms around like they don't have real meaning. Because if I say, hey, you're racist, oh shit, I, I don't want to look into this anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. It, it surprised me that that's where people decided to like give them the most shit about. Because I, I think they they talked about it, yeah, but it wasn't like I don't know. There's so many things talked about. It's just weird that they focused on that, or maybe not weird because I guess it's a good angle of attack. But um, I don't know. It was a good Kanye interview. Guys, interlocutors. What's that? Right, did you mean Kanye or his interlocutors? Yeah, the the people attacking him. Yeah, I'm yeah. Just like it's just that's what you chose. Of all the things that he said on that thing, <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Like, everything that he's known for the controversy, he brought it up. It's, it was a great conversation. Oh, my God. It was entertaining, too, because he's hilarious. <laughs> like, hilarious. Yeah, dude. So good. He's, it, it, it honestly was amazing. Um, like I said, minus, I didn't do research on it. So, I mean, like, I am speaking out of turn. But I think minus the George Floyd thing, I think that was an accurate criticism because I, because here's the thing, this this sentiment has been floating around, and it's kind of like because someone's a criminal, they deserve to die, mm -hmm. and I I don't think that's a fair assessment, and I don't think that's a fair statement to make because at the end of the day, especially when it comes to I think the black community, I think that the reason why I would give it a little extra care is not first of all, it's not because I'm black, right? or half black, it's more because if you look at historically what's happened to them, even, for example, 
a lot of people don't know this, but uh, segregation was low-key a good thing. I've heard that not argument, yeah. Even low-key, not even low-key. From a financial situ from a financial uh, yeah, per, uh, situation, it was actually a very good thing because black people actually had wealth. There is, there is this one black man who talked about, uh, he was actually on um, The Breakfast Club. He talked about how his family had a taxi service because nobody would take black people. So what happened? The, the money started circulating within their community. As soon as they started fighting to end segregation, that's when all the money dissipated from the community. And now I think it's something like $3 trillion um, from the black community is given outside of that community to other communities. But if you look at like the Asian community, the Jewish community, I mean, obviously the white community because the majority of America is white, um, money circulates within their community. The dollar goes into their hands very often mm. and i'm not going to sit here and say that it's necessarily purposefully engineered that way but i think that one of the biggest mistakes for any community and that's something i'm actually fighting for for the muslim community is assimilation i think assimilation is always a mistake mm. i think if you look at every single minority group in america that's come up whether it be the irish the italians the jews uh, the Asians, whoever it is, what they do is they build institutions within themselves. They build a foundation within themselves, and then they start to interact with the rest of the world. And they oftentimes get pushed and their agendas get pushed and they get to move forward while the rest of us are waiting and begging. Mm -hmm. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, there's definitely, yeah, if you think about the velocity of money in communities the opportunity to actually create economies, especially in a community that, that depends on itself first and then starts interacting. Yeah, because maybe there's a critical mass needed before you can start to expand into other areas. Yeah, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting if people, it'd be really cool to see something. I think people, there is a, there's recognition of that. And so there are people who are attempting it. Um, mm -hmm. We'll see how that goes. And I hope it works out. It's like, By the way, I, I don't, I'm sorry for cutting off. I just want to make this statement so it's a little clearer. I don't think people should be separated by race. I think people should be separated by values, though, specifically moral and ethical ones. Yeah. I mean, we see this happening with like the way where people move, at least in this country, where people are choosing to move. And it's like, okay, California became a shithole. And so they leave. It's weird because like, and then you also have the problem of people who vote for the shithole. And then they move to other places because they hate the shithole, but they made it happen. And so it's like, <laughs> so you just got to be careful with that. But yeah, like, I don't know. I, I see myself not living in a blue state because I want to live around people with my values. Yeah. Like that, I think is becoming more and more common. And which is literally the, I think the foundation of this country, like the United States, the idea of it being, it's a collection of states that come together to represent something to the rest of the world, but they are individual states who can govern themselves as they wish. At least that was the idea. Now that's not the case anymore, but I think there's a strong push for that, again, federalism. But, yeah. I think, I think it's diff difficult because on one hand, it's kind of, man, I mean, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I think it really does go back to who has the most power because even from a federal perspective, you look at, you know, who seems to be controlling the house, it's, it always leaned towards one side. And it's like, why is that? Why does that happen? How does that even happen? And it goes back to power. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah.
I was going to ask you, like, you know, what are your, like, moral convictions? Like, uh, where, where do they stem from? Like, are you, I mean, this conversation is always interesting to me. Hmm. And I say this to everybody. So, welcome to friendship with me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> are they stem from, like, religion? Are they stem from, like, you know, uh, are you, are you, do you, I don't know, are you a Marxist? Like, what do, what do you believe? And where do your morals come from? I think they come from Islam, weirdly enough, because I don't really practice. But when I was younger, I was deeply devoted to Islam. And that's where a lot of, I still hold those values, those same values. I don't know what my future holds. Maybe I'll come back to it one day and be, but I, I can make excuses about like, oh, I think rationally, blah, 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 whatever. No, no, no. I think it all comes from childhood, all the religion that I grew up on. And they still carry, stay with me today. So that's it. You said you were religious. What pushed you away from being religious, I guess? And what makes you believe that you, you would come back or what makes you want to come back? So the thing that pushed me away was probably radical rationality. When you're young, starting to approach the, the late high school, college years, it's probably hubris at that point too, like thinking like you know things. The worship of science and stuff like that, which a lot of young people get wrapped up into. Um, mm -hmm without the understanding that science is basically just, the idea behind it is a way to understand the world, but it doesn't give you any answers for why. So, it, which it's hard to explain to young people because you know, young people are, they feel like they know everything and I was no different. And so, but as I've become older and start really thinking about life and the meaning and moral issues, especially when it comes to like, people say they're good people, but they're not because it's not coming from any solid moral foundation. It's really just governed by their feelings. And I see this. And so I'm like, all right, this is the value of religion and belief. And that's what's really holding people accountable and responsible for their actions and decisions in life. And so I've been pushing towards closer and closer to that. This is going to be a weird question, but <laughs> why Islam? Why not any other ideology? Because it's not just religion, right? Well, um, that's the thing. Like, I'm actually really curious about Christianity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been really exploring that and the idea like the... I, I, I cannot... Uh, let me just be honest. I haven't looked that deeply into it, but um, just this idea that we are sinners and that we're always in a quest to overcome that. And it's just going to be a constant battle and the idea of forgiveness and all that stuff, which I know there's parallels in Islam too, but it's like, I grew up with the Islam thing. I've, I've been exploring the Christianity stuff lately, and then maybe it'll, I'll, I'll explore the Jewish stuff and see. Definitely, I think towards the book, but I don't know where I'll end up. Would you say you're an agnostic or would you say that I'm a practice? I'm, I'm a Muslim, but I'm not practicing. Like, how would you categorize yourself? I don't think it's right to call myself a Muslim if I'm not practicing, which I know a lot of people do. But to me personally, I don't think it's right to identify myself as something I don't actually practice on a regular basis. So like my moral framework comes from there. I was raised that way. But unless I'm practicing, I wouldn't consider myself Muslim. And mm. But I don't know. People have their own. I'm not saying that. Other people can't call themselves Muslims or whatever. I think your identity and how you feel or the way you practice is between you and God. And I'm not here to judge. But for me personally, I, I don't think it's right to call myself a Muslim unless I'm practicing. When you say practicing, do you mean like 
from a ritualistic perspective or do you mean like from a belief perspective? I think the ritual is part of it. It's a major part of it. So mm-hmm. it's at least with Islam, I understand a lot of sex in Christianity is like just even the identification and just practicing the moral framework of it is enough. And they don't have stringent rituals, which I guess depends on which denomination you're a part of. But I think with Islam in particular, that is a major part of the religion. So that's that's why I would say I'm not, because I don't actually do the ritualistic stuff. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's in- Damn. Okay. Yeah, I'm just I'm just learning, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of thinking to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, we all do, man. Yeah. You know. Yeah.